Hey, Luke, how's it going? I am in a good mood, so don't worry about me losing my mind. I, uh, I've been doing some woodworking, Luke. Ooh, tell me about it. I've been doing some woodworking. Let me tell you, you in the beginning said, Michael, please be careful. I don't want you to chop your fingers off. Do you remember saying that? Multiple times. Multiple times. Uh, it's still, it's a good thing to say. That table saw is terrifying. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Not going to lie about that. Daddy needs uh, his podcasting fingers, kids. <laughs> so here's my terrifying story. I almost, instead of almost chopping my fingers off on my table saw, and I haven't told this to my wife, and she doesn't listen to the show, so it's fine. <laughs> I almost chopped my face off. Oh, God. I had the blade <laughs> really high up. You're stressing me and out, I'm, man. And I'm cutting boards, and I'm, like, finally understanding how to do a good, decent rip. Like, to rip a board means to cut it lengthwise, you know, so you're feeding a lot of this board in. And if you cut your own two-by-fours with the make them straight sides, it saves you a ton of money and blah, blah, blah. So I'm just trying to figure out how to do that, right? So I have, like, three-foot boards that I'm feeding in. And I need to adjust something, so I lean forward, and my eye protection was like, they're just an old pair of work goggles that I had from forever ago. Oh, good. And the, and the, and well, I mean, they work, but the, (laughs) this is the sad part, (laughs) they're cheap as shit, and the side straps, like, it has these, you know, little adjustable strap that you tie around your head, you know, and it has a little loop on the sides, and you just tighten it. Mm -hmm. So I had it tightened in my head. But the strap was really long. I think my kids, like, it's a little elastic. I think my kids stretched it out. And it was dangling as I was leaning over the saw blade. And one of the straps bounced right next to the table saw. See, what <laughs> what happens is these things get caught and get pulled 5,000 RPM towards the table oh saw. Oh, my God. 5,000 RPM. RPM. Could you imagine... Now, probably what would have happened was it would have just pulled the goggles off. But I just think of my face. My I face think it would have been going a little th- worse than that. Let me be real honest. <laughs> <laughs> my shirt just rips off, and I'm like, oh, what happened? <laughs> my face, my valuable face. Yeah. Oh, it's the same. <laughs> Gormley was in a terrible saw accident. Here's his face. Oh, that looks like Gormley's normal face. Podcaster's face destroyed due to trying woodworking stuff he saw on YouTube. <laughs> Film that you never. <laughs> try to guess his age and his ethnicity next. <laughs> Did you say podcaster? White male in his 30s. <laughs> Probably from the ages of 34 and 37 Ah, <laughs> uh, living the dream, Luke I'm living the dream Dude, we are li- we are living the dream, my friend We are hashtag blessed in so we many are. ways We are, we are, not gonna lie We are uh, uh, What are you drinking tonight? Coke Zero? Oh, I'm drinking a little Coke Zero how, Oh, how, but that's Dude, we're what? both drinking out of mason jars Oh, tonight. look at us Look at that Ah, oh, I love you, man we're going to be next week, man. Next week, you're going to come down here. We're going to hang out with our friends in Plano, Texas at Prince of Peace. We're going to give a talk on... Uh, we should probably talk about how this is going to work. <laughs> how no, stressful we're... are we to people who, like, have to deal with us? Like, on a scale... Okay, I, I want to ask our audience if this uh. surprises anyone. 
that we're doing a talk with our good friend, our, our good friends out in the Diocese of San Diego. We're doing a live theology on tap. Aunt D's going to be there, by the way. So all you old school podcast fans get excited for that. So we're doing a talk there, and we never got back to them for anything that they needed. <laughs> I could have swore we did. That was we, my problem. We did on the, uh, yeah, on like one part way back when. And so it was just funny. I felt bad. I'm like, oh, man, we are so unorganized. We are such creatives. Like, it's, we are so, we are artists, and this is boring podcast talk. I'm sorry, everyone. Gomer, what do you want to talk about today? Woodworking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a sound of everyone going, well, this is the end. No, le- okay, let me just say two things about it. Oh, two literally things. no one cares. Oh, people care. No one cares. Listen, here's the deal. I sit at a desk all day, and yes, I do get to tar- talk to people, and that's awesome. Uh, all, all types of people. Woo, all types of people. But I will tell you that there are some days where outside of my colleagues, I'm not really talking with people. I'm just doing email or creating lesson plans or Word documents or, you know, all the things. And there comes a part where... Like, I get to do a lot of really cool creative stuff, like we're doing this Lent thing, ap.church slash recenter, and it's a thing for our whole parish to do. And I'm super excited about it. And doing all this fun creative stuff, producing videos, writing posts, and blah, 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 great. But there's something fascinating that I can come home and just go out into my garage and use a chisel on a piece of wood, and I feel like I got more done, even though I did nothing. You know what I mean? Like doing something physical. And I don't mean exercise because that's crap. (laughs) That ain't my New Year's resolution. I get that. Mine's the year of new things. (laughs) I get that. I think when we buy a house, so I used to really love landscaping when I was in high school. Yeah, now you just like manscaping. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just bought a very expensive suit. Uh, (laughs) A very expensive suit. Ask me how much the suit cost. Hey, Luke, how much did the suit cost? $950. What are you, a lawyer? Is Luke a lawyer? No. $950. You paid $700 too much. (laughs) For your wedding, I bought a $600 suit, but it was marked down because it was the last one. It was marked down from from $900, I think. Did you get it tailored? Like my girl Swift, yes. There you go. Get it, um, Taylor Swift. No, I, I got a joke. it. I just, I really it. needed a nice uh, suit for different events and stuff. Yeah, you got I'm it. Like, you got I one. Need, so I was like, you know what? This is going to be, and this is a suit that I'll own for the rest of my life. So mm, tell yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> this is my forever suit. <laughs> oh shit! I just spilled punch over it. <laughs> I should really take more care of these things. Okay, let's do something. What's the weirdest thing your wife has ever, like, caught you doing? Huh. Well, I have Don't ask me why I thought of this, but I I did. Can we make it dirty? Because I I take my... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, of course. I take my socks off in bed. (laughs) And she's like, what the hell are you doing with your feet? And I'm like, trying to get my socks off. I put on dress socks. And it's taking me forever to get the dress. And she's like... Why do you wear socks to bed? And I was like, so that I can take them off. There is something so nice about taking off your socks with your big toe. Luke? Okay, so this is going to sound really weird. So 
Aaron was gone for running errands. I thought she had like two hours or more. And so out comes the coconut oil. <laughs> I was cleaning and I was like, you know what? I need to listen to some just fun pop music. So I played, I had, uh, oh I, I had Siri playing uh, pop stuff or whatever. Sorry. I had a name phone device or like, you know, name <laughs> smart device, this playing Demi Lovato. And so I go in to take, to take a shower and I'm about to hop in and I go, man, I'm really, really hungry. Like I just got like really hungry. Oh no. Oh, and no. so I was like, you know what? We have some pudding in the fridge. I'm going to go grab, and like all of our blinds were down. So I was like, I'm going to go grab some pudding. And I'm sitting there eating pudding, singing Demi Lovato. And Aaron comes walking in. And you're naked. Oh, but naked. <laughs> and I just run away. <laughs> she just goes, what? And I'm like, okay, there's a reasonable explanation for this. <laughs> there is not. There is not. <laughs> and I go through the story, and I was just like, so, you know, I just, um, it was, I was a very upcatching song, and I was just starting to understand, like, the words. So I was like, oh, blah, 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 eating my pudding. Can I go to take a shower? Not thinking much of it, you know? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you took the pudding with you into the shower, <laughs> and she walked in, and you had, like, a like a table. Like, it was, like, on the shower caddy, and you're just feeding yourself. <laughs> You know what's funny is like that's if people want to know what it's like being a bachelor, that's it. That story right there. Yeah, that's yeah. what when you when you have your own place, you do stuff and, like that, and you can and just you dance naked to Demi. Lovato. You don't think much of it because you're just like, nah, whatever. I'm hungry. I'm gonna go get a snack back really quick. <laughs> the the blinds are down. I'm socially responsible. Yeah, <laughs> the poor bastard underneath us isn't gonna like it, but it's time to dance. Boom, boom. boom I wasn't boom, dancing; boom. I was just eating, singing along to the song without it. I imagine you having a huge bowl, like a salad bowl, <laughs> and it's like meant to be like for desserts for the week or something, and you're just spooning it in your. <laughs> you know, uh, it was funny when I was in shape. Um, when you were Idaho, what? When I was in shape. Sure. Okay. In Idaho, I was eating healthy, and the one thing I could eat was um, was pudding or something like that. You know, like uh, so I was eating Jello pudding. I'm like addicted to, to that stuff, and I would and I would make my own. <laughs> Luke is on those... the Jello pudding diet. <laughs> pudding, no, pudding. and I would do it in one of those big bowls and just eat it out of that. I'm just being like, I'm a single person. I'm 29, and I'm single, and I'm eating pudding out of this bowl, but I'm really healthy and in good shape. Man, I don't know what what else have I done that is so weird. I don't cut my toenails as often as I should. Is that a thing? That's gross. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I procrastinate over taxes. I still haven't paid 2017. <laughs> oh, that is so not good. Maybe you shouldn't announce that. <laughs> no, I mean, I've already, okay, I've paid. I just haven't filed. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm a real boy. I'm trying to think of what else, what else would it, is it like disgusting or just quirky? Because I think no. the sock thing is just quirky. No, I, I think it's more like a okay. So I would say my pudding Demi Lovato story is. I mean, some might say that's dis disgusting. To those it's, people, it's more I say, disturbing. It's not stop, disgusting. It's no, it's disturbing. it's just a weird, funny, quirky story. <laughs> I mean, it's like the line of quirky. Oh, like, I got one. I got one. When me and Shannon are making love, I ask her uh, to call me by my brother's name. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Call me Brian Christian. What? Just do it. 
Pick one. I don't. I don't even care. <laughs> pick one of my brothers. Why? Because oh, I'm. I'll never measure up. <laughs> and I can't imagine a beautiful woman like you. Oh, my wife just texted me. So gross. <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> she just texted so gross with the vomit emoji because she can hear me. <laughs> Are you serious? But, so sorry. Wonderful. Hey, Shannon, come in here. Shannon. Hey, Shannon. <laughs> no, I, I think it's time to have her on the podcast. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Shannon, what? Is- <laughs> hey, buddy. All right, she's fully on. Hey. Oh, oh, I mean, well, uh, wait, wait. Here's the funny part of that story about me is that Aaron then like walked in on me. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't think she was gonna be home for. I was hungry before I got in into the shower, and I came out to grab some pudding because the blinds were down, and Demi Lovato was playing because I was playing uh, Demi Lovato while I was cleaning, and so I was eating <laughs> the pudding really quick, thinking she my... was gonna be home for another hour or two, and she just like walks in and I ran off. <laughs> I wouldn't have run off. I would have celebrated the moment. Maybe drew some pudding down the front. <laughs> I'd have been like, hashtag 2008. I just blacked out for a second. What's happening? Okay, so what's the weirdest thing you've ever, like, walked in on Gomer doing? Walked in on him doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Or, like, have you ever had a moment where you're like, what the hell is happening here? Well, there have been, like, times, like, he undresses as he walks in the door so like there's like shoes and then like a belt and then like pants and then like shirts and you're like expecting to find some half naked man (laughs) don't you hate pants (laughs) (laughs) and that still happens it's been 10 years and that has not stopped it's like oh daddy's home <laughs> Kids, Always close your eyes. <laughs> Kids, I don't see how this could backfire in twenty years. <laughs> I'm very excited to see how you're going to play these issues out in, in the future. <laughs> so much therapy. Okay, well, you guys have fun now talking about our sex life. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> and more wine. <laughs> She's going to make me a sandwich. There we go. Well, that was awkward. No. No, that was beautiful. No, that's fine. No, I've actually had that um, one time when I had my own uh, apartment. uh, I would do the same thing. I would, like, undress while I, I, like, walked in. And I forgot that my pants and my shoes were, like, in the kitchen. (laughs) And I had a friend come over. And she just goes, so did uh, someone just melt away? (laughs) (laughs) Someone just melt away. <laughs> Luke, Luke Gomer, you know what I want? I want 80s Android Lloyd Webber music in my mask. Is that proper? Uh, it is not, unless you're probably in your 60s or Episcopalian. <laughs> Luke, Luke, I want to learn more about the mass and liturgy. Where do I go? Nowhere, because we are in a godforsaken McCarrick hellhole. I'm just kidding. You go to the Liturgical in- Institute. That's right, everyone. Our friends, our friends are back. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, they were like, yes, we do enjoy an ad that's a basically you guys making jokes about share as it relates to the liturgy for 20 minutes we'll buy more ads so 
we're here to talk to you guys about the liturgical institute tell me a few things about the liturgical institute gormley oh i'm so happy you asked me luke 100 percent of liturgical institute graduates are currently working in a field related to their degree can't say that engineers <laughs> where are you at gender study okay i won't even go there <laughs> they have a summer program that's ideal for those working in schools and parishes because it's only six weeks out of the summer and you get to have awesome classes like eucharist origins and structure two credits baby the liturgical movement that's the one i want to take that's mm-hmm. the one i want june 9th to june 28th if you love me if you're on team gomer take that one uh christian initiation okay i run rci i need to do that one uh, that's July 1 to July 19. Eucharist Theological Issues. That sounds... Team Luke. Team Luke, you're <laughs> all about that because we like to argue with rat rats. <laughs> Full conscious and active participation was a time bomb placed in there by Vatican II. They knew what they were doing. I'm going to go get a cigarette in the middle of a high mass. Anywho. <laughs> at the liturgical weird Institute, how I'm a socialist, right? I'm either a fascist or a socialist. Weird. <laughs> at the liturgical institute, you'll find a positive, joyful, and faithful approach to prayer and studying the church's liturgy. Here is all the information you need. You go to liturgicalinstitute.org/cf. What's the name of that website again? Liturgicalinstitute.org/cf. One more time for the baby boomers in the back. Liturgicalinstitute.org slash cf as in now make boxes now make your joke <laughs> Ooh, that's nice <laughs> <laughs> thank you again to our good friends at the liturgical institute for sponsoring this episode of catching foxes uh i've got some topics oh man i got i other than the face getting chopped off by a saw i got nothing nothing uh I, I wanted to do some old 10 minute topics we didn't get to from our facebook page. oh yeah 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 <laughs> or as i call it old reliable hey let me tell you a little story real quick can i tell you a little story of course so my noah had his tonsillectomy right oh, so last yeah, yeah. friday uh he goes in gets his tonsils and adenoids removed they were so huge his tonsils were so huge they were double the size of a normal normal tonsils and uh Basically, the doctor said he he doesn't have REM sleep because he keeps waking up because of breathing problems, so it uh-huh. could lead to sleep, sleep apnea. So they think he's never had REM sleep or has rarely had it since he was, like, two. Aww. Isn't that crazy? That's and his insane. mouth is always open because his tongue, like, pushes against the front of his teeth and blah, blah, blah. Ever since we got him removed, even with all the swelling of the surgery, his mouth is always closed now. It's just that one thing, boom, done. And um, I'll tell you, the one of the hardest things ever. Now, you know... Tommy Tig and uh, Matt Reggitz and a lot of the men that I know in ministry, um, they've had to deal, Dave Van Vickle, they've had to deal with some pretty horrific hospital situations and medical illness situations with their kids. I just had a routine tonsillectomy, and my kid was going to go under in general anesthesia. And there's this part where you have to go one way, and your kid goes away with a doctor in the other way, and you're just scared. And to, mm-hmm. I can still picture him looking at me and shannon and then looking up at the anesthesiologist the anesthesiologist anesthesiologist is so great texas children's up in the woodlands amazing people and he looked at me he's like come on buddy we're gonna have so much fun don't worry you're gonna help me blow up balloons and that's what they did blow up a balloon and taking the deep breath they knocked themselves out and he said uh you know we're gonna we're just gonna go into this room over here your mommy daddy gonna stay right there and then they walked off and i remember just looking at my little man 
going into an OR, you know, without, and I can't go. And you're just like, oh, and your heart just breaks. Well, he, he's in recovery, and it's been pretty bad. It hasn't been horrible where we had to hospital, hospitalize him, but there's like two or three times where we almost had to take him to the ER. He threw up blood. He wasn't mm-hmm. eating. You get really nervous, like, if it if you see X amount of patterns of, you know, vomiting or whatever, and it's like, mm-hmm. you go right near there, but not totally over, and then it comes down. So today was a bad day, and I had to come home from work. Oh, man. It's just hard, man. It's just hard. Hard on the little boy. You know, he's such a stoic kid, and so you're like, tell me, tell me, and he won't even, yes, it hurts. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? Let's give you the Tylenol or whatever. So We have to wake him up every two hours to give him his medicine. And they're like, listen, oh, you're going to want to let him sleep. Wake him up and give him his medicine. And we're like, why? And they're like, because you're overlapping the pain meds so that the pain doesn't come in full force because it will hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sure enough, sense. it did. Yeah. <sighs> Lord have mercy. I'm sorry, bud. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just the things. I wish we did it when he was two or whatever, you know. But um, we just didn't know until we took our kid to a speech therapist and she sent us to an ENT. So it's awesome. Awesome, awesome. If your kid is getting sick all the time, take him to an ENT. Let them cut out their tonsils if that's what's infected. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. But anywho, he's doing well today. I bought him some ice cream and let him watch me woodwork. Oh, man. Oh, that, I uh, bought him the... some clamps. Bought him, him and his brother, these little clamps, and they were just clamping wood all day. It was fun. No, that's that, see, that's good. Yeah. That's really cool. But it's good because he felt like he was doing something because he was in the garage and not in the house. And he didn't mm-hmm. have an iPad in front of him. Because you got to keep him still. And an iPad is great for that, right? But I wanted him to do something else that it wouldn't get his heart rate up because then you could bleed. So mm-hmm. so I got him clamps. Who knew woodworking, Luke? The key to a young boy's heart. There you go. No. So now great, I'm going to put him on the table saw tomorrow. <laughs> what could go wrong? My face! My beautiful freaking face! <laughs> That's such a great Simpsons moment. <laughs> um, all right. So um, I'm not going to go as far to say friend of the show, but yeah. previous guest of the show, Aaron mm-hmm. Gillespie, the man Under Oath, was on the Bad Christian podcast talking about de- de- con- deconstruction. And he said, that um, he doesn't identify as a Christian anymore, and kind of like yeah. went through the stuff about that. Yeah. And, it was, and that was kind of a bummer to hear. I'll, I mean, I'll be honest, but um, it was <laughs> all your cor- was it Cornerstone Music Festival? Yeah, pretty much everyone. <laughs> all all your heroes are dead, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> the only one who still practices is Reese Roper. <laughs> God bless him, and he won't return my emails. It's fine. <laughs> I know Wait, what about the Andrew Schwab? No, he still is, but turns out kind of a dick. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, not necessarily, but like a huge dick, but just like. He's a little dick. <laughs> he, he, he knows he's very deep. Oh. I don't exist on the plane of you superficial yeah. people. Like, he basically hasn't talked to the other guys in the band after they left. And they're kind of like, why do you still call the band by the band's name when we're all out? Yeah, it's kind of like when you had a meetup, but I wasn't there, and you still call it a Catching Foxes meetup, even though it should have been called Luke from Catching Foxes. Hey, Luke, tomorrow I'm doing Catching Foxes meetup at my office. I'm doing a Catching Foxes meetup in my bathroom. I'm doing a Catching Foxes meetup in the kitchen naked with some pudding. I'm doing a Catching Foxes meetup. Oh, I can't top that. 
<laughs> You're darn right. Point Gomer. Ding. <laughs> I'm going to do a Catching Foxes meetup in your car on Monday night. Ooh. We will. We will. All right. Well, so, then, um, then it, that'll be us together, and that makes sense. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just oh, ruined man. the joke. I can't wait till we go to Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to take you to a Bucky's. Have you ever been to a Bucky's? I don't know, what's a Bucky's? Oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to eat Whataburger in the woodlands, and Damn we're going to drink a lot of soda. Mm-hmm. And then about one hour later, we're going to want to go to the bathroom in all the wrong ways. And guess <laughs> what? One hour from the woodlands on I-45 North is Bucky's in Madisonville. The cleanest bathrooms they have. Not only do they have like 100 stalls. Okay, get this, Luke. Their sol- stalls are solid walls. They're not like the the flimsy little metal walls. They are everyone gets their own cove. I'm confused, but yet not surprised at all that this exists in Texas. Oh man, it is the biggest gas station you've ever seen. It's like a full circle. It's it's crazy, but it makes me happy. Oh, also speaking of bathrooms, um, we're gonna be getting breakfast with Katie Prejean McGrady, Prejean McGrady. Where? If, if that works, uh, she's in the woodlands because she's giving a talk at your parish. Yeah, but you're not gonna be there. Yeah, but she's staying like a couple extra days. Uh, with, when did with, you find that out? Her husband. She, we texted the other day. Oh, okay. Possibly, if that works. Because you're flying in on Monday? I get in late on Monday night, and then uh, I leave. She's giving a talk on on Sunday night, and that's it. She's not doing a Monday night anymore. Oh, so that might have changed. Yeah, but that'd be awesome. Ooh. Ooh. I know her, her I believe it's her and her husband are coming out or something like that. But I know it's her I know it's her and her baby. She's got a baby. They're I I, I her and her husband are cool as hell. They're very fun. Oh yeah, they're awesome. So, I got to meet them with Father Mike Schmitz at oh, a Sumville cool. Encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh wait, you were with the people getting the illegal tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and I was hanging out in the I, I was literally going downstairs to go to bed and the door opened and there's Father Mike Schmitz and there's Katie and her husband and I was like well, guess I'm not going to bed. Let me show you where the food and booze is. <laughs> we hung out for another two hours. Aww. I was so tired. I remember that. Oh, yeah, we had a good time hanging out with everyone. I, we had to do, like, sorry, this is just, this is boring as hell. Um, no, it's not. What we need to do, Luke, is mm-hmm. we, I, I am convinced of this. Okay, so I was talking with a wonderful youth minister in St. Louis. Name names. Evie. And she's uh, she used to be a Patreon supporter. Evie told me that she stopped being a Patreon supporter because she realized she got too engrossed in the podcaster people's lives. And, and I mentioned this before, but there's, you know, it's a one-way street. They know everything about us. We know nothing about them. And, uh, and I said, uh, so she's like, so I haven't listened to your show in a while. I haven't listened to a lot of shows. So me and her met up for a coffee, and we talked about youth ministry and different things for youth ministry. And we talked for like three hours. And as I was leaving, I said, Evie Sue, we now know each other. You have my cell phone number. You can call me if you want, whatever. I said, now you have to start listening to the podcast again. <laughs> and uh, she didn't. She became a Patreon supporter and all this good stuff. But um, she, in her saying that, it made me realize, like, one of the things that is great about you is when you're doing your young adult job, half of it is you're just on the road meeting with people. Mm-hmm. And that's so awesome because your diocese is so kind of sprawling and spread out. And most of my day is filled with meetings where I'm just talking with people. And I realized that uh, it, it can be hard to organize meetups and stuff like that with our Patreon listeners. But doing this once a month, I, the, I am so excited 
about FaceTime with our fans more yeah, than anything me else. Me too. And like, I, I'm a speaker. I love giving the talk, and I am more excited about meeting Paul and anyone in San Diego area who wants to listen and all that stuff. I'm going to text uh, Jackie and Bobby and see if they want to come down there in Anaheim. Oh, great. I would love, love, love to meet as many people as possible. Super excited. In Plano, those people out there, Luke, oh, man, Josh and Aaron, they have a killer young adult ministry out there. I've tried to copy it. I cannot. They just got the best people, and uh, I'm so excited that you're going to be there. But this is a group now that they've invited me out. I think this is my fourth time. So I now have, like, we have a fan base out there, and it's going to be awesome. Hmm. You're going to love it. But I do. I want to be with the people. Yeah. It is it is weird how, like, you, um, the desire for more and how, like, when you, you reach the limit of what media can do, and there's this yeah. desire for more. And sometimes the answer is like more content, and and that can be good. So we try to add fun stuff over on to Patreon. We've got some stuff that we haven't added yet, but it'll it'll be up there soon. You know, we have the B sides, but this desire for more sometimes I think it can become it can get a little bit self indulgent. Yeah. And what yeah. I like about when we can meet up with people is it makes the podcast in a weird way incarnate. Like it puts some of the flesh on us and on our fans. Because I, I remember like being at, at a bar at the, the Seek conference, and, and like I'm talking to like two people. This one girl who uh, uh, was a Patreon supporter, and this guy just being like, "Wow, thank you!" Like this is really just to be able to meet these people and be able to like yeah. talk with them. And one hundred percent, there's something about that that like it demand in a weird way. It almost it almost demands more out of us, which I which I kind of like. And I feel like it's how I don't know. It's it's um, I'm still trying to unpack like why it's because it's it's not it's not like I don't really think it's an ego thing. Like I mean, maybe for me a little bit, but no, I no. Mean, the well, well, the no, idea I mean, is I'm sure it's it's there a bit, but the idea for me is kind of stemming from the the Francis Chan punch Gomer in the face or whatever in the heart. Um, and when I was talking about how fake I feel when I do this stuff and how you know transactional it can all be. And you were encouraging me. Um, one of the things that I really do feel like is there is the green room mentality where you go, you give your talk, you go to the green room, you're done. But uh, I'm there for people and I'm there for certain people. And maybe those people are the people putting on the event. Maybe it's the chaperones or the youth ministers. Maybe it's the middle schoolers that I'm going to speak through this weekend or the high school students. But the idea behind it all is that if I, I, if, if I distance myself from people, I turn it into a transaction. But if I, if I uh, immerse myself in relationships, I've leveraged the transaction to actually mm -hmm. make something worthwhile. And that's what mm -hmm. I want. Yeah, exactly. Just being naughty. We're just being naughty. Catholic. Hey, Luke. I'm clicking on my clicking clack of the keyboard. You know what I'm looking for, Luke? You know what I'm looking for, Luke? Hopefully not porno. I'm not looking at porno. I'm looking at faith-focused dating. Where can I find some faith-focused dating, Luke? <laughs> well, if you want to find some faith-focused dating, the best place to go is catholicmatch.com, where you're going to find like-minded 
Catholics who are really trying to find who are trying to find love and not just a quickie to numb their pain of their parents <laughs> never caring about them. <laughs> Here, get over your rebound by this long-term monogamous relationship. <laughs> the only way. Discover why single Catholics all over the world have joined Catholic Match to search for the one God has planned for them via the internet, like Google. <laughs> Thank you to our Google gods. Hey, Luke, this is our 14th time to do this. Why should I go on Catholic Match instead of Christian Mingle? Because this is what you're going to find on Catholic Match. Largest Catholic dating site, faith-focused opportunities, and it's endorsed by Catholic leaders, unlike this podcast. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, I'll also tell you why. You also have Hmm. free access to the Catholic Match Institute for Dating and Marriage, which has contributions from notable Catholic leaders like our very own Arlene Spensley. That sounds awesome. Uh, And the best part about about Catholic Match, I think, is really just just, it just like creates a space to get over all of the bullcrap and just find people Mm -hmm. who care about the things that you care about, who share the same interest that um you have if you if you could give any tips to anyone especially dudes out there who are on catholic match what would you tell them well i'm glad you brought that up because your tip last week was exactly what scared away a friend of mine she was on catholic match and someone that she had never had a conversation with wrote her like a three page message about how she was the one god planned blah 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 right didn't even know and he wrote this epic thing and she said, you need to go listen to Catching Foxes and and threw that in the trash bin, man. Because, come on, let's be honest. What we want are Catholics who understand where we're coming from, right? Not creepers, not racist, not weirdo, sexually explicit obscenities and harassment. We want good, clean fun. And we want to meet, you know, someone that thinks like we do. Yeah. We want an echo chamber of love. <laughs> 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 out of ashes hey did you know this did you know catholic match has all members must be available to marry in the catholic church i did not know that yeah so if you had an annulment they will verify that there you go that's beautiful listen i've uh catholic match really does care about uh they want people to find other um, catholics like them and I cannot recommend this um, website enough. I know plenty of people who have found their spouse on here. I did it. A couple of people on there. It was a really great, great experience. And I just want to really encourage you guys to discover why why um, single Catholics all over the world have joined Catholic Match to search for the one God has planned for them. CatholicMatch.com. Thank you for sponsoring this show. All right, uh, going back to my original point. So Aaron Gillespie, drummer of Under Oath, is on the Bad Christian podcast talking about how he really doesn't identify as a right. as a Christian anymore. All part of now he still says he still believes in God, even still believes in the resurrection of Christ, but pretty much doesn't think there's any way for god to work through humans so through um the religion okay pretty much and i was starting to hear and i was okay like in a weird way i kind of and and, and we've talked about this before how like within the protestant church it starts to crumble because you're just based solely on the bible there's no and um there's no like magic there's no real magic 
hysteria there. And I started to like hear him out on this and just why he thinks this. And again, and, and, right. for, and for him, it, right. again, it comes down to why would I want like a like why would God choose to work through men, pretty much, or man, like or women, or like you know whoever. So uh, I'm like hearing him, and I started to think about um, this idea of, that I heard on the Catholic stuff. You should know. I think they're quoting Pope Paul the Six, where he says, "When you when you divorce Mary from the Church, she becomes a, a goddess, and the Church becomes a cult." Yeah, and I started to think of that in the light of deconst of deconstruction, and how um, Mary and the Church bear Christ into the world. Because if we believe, if you know, so if you take the Protestant viewpoint, they're like, or like, sorry. The Christian, like, so it's like, so take Aaron, Aaron's view that he believes Christ is Christ, but, um, so like Christ was born of, of a woman. And so inherently men or like, oh, man, like, um, mankind has an involvement of bringing God to the world yeah, through yeah. like, through Mary, which is what, which is what the church does. And when you divorce the magisterium from Christ, and especially, I think this is why the whole deconstruction movement is starting to like gain steam. It's because the culture now is so post-Christian. You don't have the inertia of the culture to keep your Christian faith going. And so when that starts to end, you don't have the magisterium well, where is God? I don't see him anywhere. This must not be real in the way that I thought it once was, which right, is right. the thesis of that, you know, whole of that, like, whole movement. And then I started to think about this idea of, like, is this wave going to hit the Catholic uh, Church, which I haven't brought up before. Right. And I, and I used to say, like, I think it's going to. Now, I kind of don't. I think it already has. Okay. I think this has been going on in the church for the past 20 to 30 years as you see the collapse of the magisterium here in the States due to the lack of like, due to like a lack of faith, the crisis of the crisis of like belief, the scandals, yeah, yeah, things yeah. like that. So in like, in like light of all of that, of our podcast with JD Flynn last week, when he talked about how perhaps this is a period where he, and he compared it to Prince uh, Prince Caspian from the Chronicles of Narnia, where they like rediscover their old gifts, to, to, and that kind of like awakens Narnia, that like a rediscovering of like who you are. And I'm and I'm like, man, I think that's the answer to all of this. Is again that re like because if it's already happened within the Catholic Church, it's happening within the Protestant Church. Where else do you go from here? You have to like become who you are, pretty much. With this, which is like we have to go back to that, like that emphasis on the magisterium of the church, the gifts of the church. Really, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a bald sort of idea of like relearning what it means to be Christian, because if we don't, I think we are screwed. I think like we are more screwed than we think. And so, what I want to ask you then is like, like, do you agree with that? And two, if you do, what are those gifts? practically speaking that we need to find i don't think that we're immune it's an interesting thesis to say like this is what we're going through the same deconstruction but we just don't have fancy labels for it um 
I don't think that we are immune from it because we're a non sola scriptura church. I I found that the sola scriptura thing applied when <clears throat> Pastor Joey made a comment about both eternal conscious torment, which is a reoccurring theme on Bad Christian, and um, gay marriage and homosexual, the validity mm-hmm. of homosexual sex is always mm-hmm. framed around things like, well, the Bible does, uh, you know, he said, what was the line he said? Uh, There's only seven times when the Bible mentions homosexuality and every, almost every single one of them can be explained to other things like the inhospitality in Sodom and like blah, blah, blah. And so when you look at these very real um, viewpoints and how it, it's, it's, it's a, just because we don't have sola scriptura and we have things like natural law, that presumes Catholics understand what tradition is, scripture is, the natural law is, that they've ever read an, a document from Pope John Paul II or Benedict or Francis. Um, I, I, I don't think the vast majority of Catholics have ever actually sat down to read one of these documents. And uh, so the question then becomes, what are we deconstructing from? Uh, because I, I think a lot of Catholics are susceptible. Like, they know that the Bible is an important thing. That's why so many Catholics leave the Catholic Church, is Protestants wield Scripture better, and they draw from it so much more. And Catholics are like, I know I should know the Bible, but no one ever talks about it outside of the readings at Mass. And so once you poke holes in the Bible, I think I think a lot of Catholics are sola scriptura only because they've never even heard of the natural law. Have you ever heard of the natural law in a homily? Uh, yes, but only because of the circles that we run in. Very rarely do you hear of, like, a parish. With younger priests, you you tend to, but... Yeah, and, I mean, in the catechism of the Catholic Church, in the fourth part, it says any catechesis on morality has to involve these, like, seven things, and one of them is an understanding of the natural law. And, um, yeah, it's just an epic failure on our part. So I say all that because, um, I don't think we're immune to it because we're not sola scriptura. I think... That it's going to manifest in different ways. I think you're going to see because Catholicism is so cultural. I think you're going to have people who disbelieve in the Virgin Birth singing Silent Night for generations, and I don't think that's an easy pathway back home to faith. Hmm. Do you think, in some ways, it's already happened within oh. our church over the past? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 30, Fifty years. I mean, Gen Xers, baby boomers, uh, and now millennials. I mean, we're like the the problem that I have with Bishop Barron focusing on the nuns and conceiving them. He doesn't just do this, but often when he talks about it, he talks about, oh, reaching out to young people, the nuns. It's as if baby boomers didn't kick off that trend. I mean, or, or Gen Xers. Like, they're all leaving the church, too. It's just the culture and familial ties for the older generations are a little bit stronger. But now we've completely mm-hmm. obliterated those cultural and familial ties. Europe yeah. doesn't even exist as a Christian continent in any way, shape, or form. And so you kind of have this, like, well, what does it even mean to be a Christian nation, which people still call America? I mean, America is extraordinarily religious. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though we lament it. I mean, it's still extraordinarily religious. But the other thing that's very fascinating is, like, in China, there's an estimated 100 million Christians. There are more Christians uh, actively practicing their faith, maybe, than in America, in China. Wow. Yeah, and people don't realize that. They just think China, atheist, communist, and it's like, underground, baby. 
Underground, big things happening. So how do you like? How do you rediscover the? Because again, I think if you divorce yourself from the church, I think it's quite literally impossible to maintain your 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 faith. But like, what? So then, like, what are the gifts though? That like, if like, so kind of going to like, if we're I'm living that Prince Caspian moment here, which I think I, I love that JD brought that up. What are the gifts? the gifts to represent the faith well the gifts to kind of almost like reclaim the faith and like i mean like when we have to um relearn what it means to be christian what does that look like because i i i think if not deconstruction wins and and there are some things about deconstruction that i like i think it's good to sit and go like because like a lot of this from what i've seen has been these like these individuals going well, I, I like have believed this my whole life because it's just it's just what I was taught. Why do I believe this? Yeah. And when they start to go down that um road, it just all unravels pretty quickly because it's just cultural. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And it's funny. It's a different type of cultural Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Like and so it's not about the outward devotions. Well, I mean, part of it is, but uh, man, what are the gifts? I think the gifts. Okay, so let me leverage the vein of Pope Francis, Pope Benedictum, JP2, where I think that once the church is stripped bare of all of her worldly attachments, like the prostitute Gomer in the book of Hosea, right? There's a scene where God says, I will hem you in. I will strip you bare of all the, you know, the jewelry and all this stuff that you're husband or that your lovers have given you and there you will espouse yourself to me it's this notion that like once all of the respectability of being a catholic is removed or many of it is maybe the great gift is that we can authentically be ourselves and the people in it will be there because they want to be there right i mean do you think about that like what 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 greater gift could we give could we receive than the abolition of apathy Mm. yeah i mean that's what persecution brings um no if i necessarily agree with that i mean okay i do in principle like like of course i do yeah but i think there is this element too of like persecution is also going to bring people saying no like i'm you're right i'm done with this (laughs) like right and um, isn't that okay um it is and it isn't Uh I, i i i think it is in the sense that uh okay let's get rid of people who really don't like don't believe and aren't aren't really entrenched let's like let's like you know chaff the weed a little bit i think that's a natural and like a good thing you know i'm not saying that i want bad things to happen to them or i want them to lose their soul like i'm I'm just saying like um right pruning is good yeah you know i think even if you don't um, believe you can kind of understand that that idea the problem is i i think that uh it can i think there are people who do believe that if there are no gifts to really cling to or they're not very apparent or concrete, I think it can be easy to give in to fear. Yeah. So what gifts I don't do you think see that, stand out? I don't know, man. I, I think um, it's going to sound weird, but things like the Liturgy of the Hours, uh-huh. um, the that's been really time. strong in my, own, in my own life, you yeah. know, and just seeing how, like, the church, like, Especially during the, um, and this may have been me just 
projecting this, but when all the scandal stuff, when when the report, yeah. when all that was going down, the readings at Daily Mass and the office of readings <laughs> were like, holy shit balls. They, yeah, they were it, setting it everything on fire. Yeah, yeah, it was like I have never quite experienced what felt like prophecy in that moment like yeah. that. And we insane. all felt that. We all were tweeting out links to the readings for the day and being like, read this. Read this. Jeremiah's on fire. <laughs> I know. And even again, like within the liturgy of the hours themselves, it was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, like what a blessing. It's it's weird. That can be. Um, um okay, so like there's that. I think this um movement towards um the church really uh hmm, how do I put this? Like, I love the fact that there are, like, Orthodox Catholics on Twitter who also identify as um, socialist. Not that I'm a socialist, or not that I'm, you know, according to one person, I'm a Democratic I think that guy was sarcastic, because he hit, like, every every line. For those of you who don't know, someone commented on Matt Frad's, the Matt Frad show, because we were on that show. It was a great time recording with him. Uh, and... They're like, not Luke. He he said the worst things in the world about the Covington Catholic boys. And uh, it's just something like you didn't recant it or something. And then it's like, and I think he's a democratic socialist, <laughs> like all this stuff. And I was like, all right, this, this person's clearly joking. Or they're nuts. Um, but and again, it's not that I like agree with that, but I love that like, the i love like the fact that like they're trying to push for like good things or like or like good ideas where they have um what am, I, what am i trying to say like they're trying to like poke like like poke the bear in a good way yeah. they're getting me to think about good things i think there is this deconstructionist um, art no well not even that in and of its own but like more just um there's this i, f- I feel like for the past 20 20 to 30 years there's been this, you know, kind of split between the social justice part of yeah. the church yeah. and the more evangelical-minded aspect of the church, and yeah. I see that starting to kind of end. Um, I hope so, especially on the even um, on the evangelic side. I see just kind of more of a, um, hey, we need to remember this is part of our faith as, as and like really, and I think yeah. like really understanding what those teachings are i may not agree with some people's answer to like yeah. what that looks like in in the real world but i'm super glad that they're like um pushing for that with and it's not at the expense of the moral teachings of the church yeah so yeah. like kind of like that, yeah there's I a think- great line it's like the church got on board with the american left because of what she said about the poor and the uh, marginalized and we got on board that train, and then all of a sudden it started taking us to areas we didn't want to go, like abortion and, you know, gay marriage and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, what happened? How did we get off on this stop? I need to get over here. You yeah. know, but but I will say, okay, so here's some of the things that I've been thinking about. Um, I, I used to be an anarcho-capitalist, like Ooh. an an- anarchist capitalist. Like, I used to think that if you just got government completely out of the equation— we could be free to pursue the good and we would out of enlightened self-interest just create a better society 
I absolutely do not believe that at all anymore. So I would call myself post-libertarian. I do not believe that at all anymore. I do not believe, yeah, it might have been out of the good graces of, or out of the enlightened self-interest that the butcher made meat for the other people in the village because he was going to make money off of it. But in the end, what we are witnessing right now, and you see this with the controversy over Patreon and YouTube and all this stuff, is corporations are leading the attack. And I know, anar- you know capitalists will say, well, modern corporations aren't purely free market but they're leading the attack on traditional family values they're leading the attack against you know like all this stuff that we hold sacred because you realize that if you strip a person of their roots right you can you you can give them an identity that's through purchasing stuff i'm an apple fanboy, like stuff Mm -hmm. like that is repulsive and then you hype up consumer i mean like a, a modern corporation cannot help but hype consumerism and you and I both know that consumerism is, is killing our souls, right? Mm-hmm. So Marx, here's a line I heard the other day. Marx is the one who coined the phrase, workers of the world unite. You remember that phrase, mm-hmm. right, in mm-hmm. the Communist Manifesto? Mm-hmm. Workers of the world unite. How funny that it's the capitalists that are actually uniting them. In the sense that, well, screw you workers in Michigan making steel, we're going to go to China, we're going to go to Thailand, we're going to go to, you know, and we just, Eastern Europe, Africa, we'll find the cheapest labor in the world and we'll unite them with our globalism, right? And it's crazy. I mean, it is crazy how uh, I, I do not believe that free markets are our salvation, just like I don't believe more willpower is the key to becoming moral because the problem is us, right? <laughs> the, mm. the problem is Sin is inside yeah. the very core of me. So it's 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 almost like in a weird way, capitalism in its purest form will always become corrupt because of man's fallen nature. I think any economic system where power is concentrated in the hands of the few, whether you're talking about socialism or capitalism, capitalism, it tends to be concentrated in the hands of the capitalists. G.K. Chesterton was all in favor. Now, he's a distributist. I'm not a distributist. I haven't declared my my obsession with distributism. But the, the kind of the tenet of distributism is you refuse, government refuses to allow power, wealth, and property to be accumulated in the hands of a few people. And that means businesses, you know, so you're going to introduce inefficiencies. You can't have an iPhone in a world where labor is more expensive. You can't. You can't have an iPhone. You can't have Americans making the iPhone, right? So then, like, what do you do then in a dis in a distributive world? It just doesn't exist. Well, no, I mean it could exist, but let me just say this: it's going to be completely different than the one we have now. And I don't think we are willing, even, th- and it's going to be happier. I, I truly believe. Like, I feel like man is so alienated from the work. But we're also uh, the work of our hands, but we're also so alienated from the things we buy. Like, they, it makes no, I mean, like, we can buy watermelon in the middle of February because we fly it in from Chile, right? Like, we are so, this sounds like technological pro- progress, and in a way it is, but at the same time, how bizarre that there are no such thing as seasons anymore. And I think mm, we were yeah. probably better off in terms of our own sanity being connected to the seasons and locality and because it just, I mean, if ever, yeah, 
So that, well, you know what? It's okay. So kind of just to, just to kind of stay on track, I wonder if that is one of the gifts of, well, like I'm going to enter into the seasons now. Like I'm going to really enter into Advent and I'm going to let Christmas last for the 12 days yeah. and I'm not going to, you know, light my tree until the day of, and I'm going to not listen to this kind of music until the day of, you know, and that whole time. Like, I mean, like, may, yeah, maybe the sanctification of time is one of the biggest things because right now time is money. It's not yeah, holy. It's a commodity. It's money. Well, and it's kind of, you know, I was really, I was, I don't know why I thought about this the other day, but I, uh, um, I was driving and it really hit me how like we've renamed time, like how post-Christian have we become yeah. that it's now before the common era and after the yeah. common era. Yeah. And like, if you want proof that like the, like we've lost the battle for like right now, that's it. Yeah. I think, oh, there I think go. of that all the time. When I first saw CE and BCE, I was like, what the hell is that? And they're like, well, you know, the, uh, I don't want to put everything on Jesus. So blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and guess what, buddy? It's still named for Jesus. Right? You can, that <laughs> date still exists because of Jesus Christ and how it affected Europe. So sorry, Charlie, but we still win. Um, you know, Christ broke human history in half. Uh, our Bible, though there is wisdom literature, is not composed either through epileptic fits of a man drooling and spouting off, quote-unquote, mystic sacred wisdom. It's not some guy on a mountaintop distilling information. It's not a Buddha. It's not a guru. It's the lived experience of a people called Israel, you know? And I, Benedict, Pope Benedict made that comment, uh, and I think it was Introduction to Christianity about how historical the Christian narrative is, you know, or the Jewish narrative is. It's like, these are things that God did in human history, right? And when you start to see it from that perspective, it's not a book that was composed on a mountaintop by some white male 2,000 years ago. And I keep I keep running into dumbasses who say that these college students who are like, oh, I don't believe in the Bible. It's just a bunch of white males telling us how to live our lives. I was like, none of them were white males. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, you dumbass? Gosh, I get so pissed off. Let me two things piss me off. <laughs> people saying the Bible was written by white males, and people calling Jews and minorities Nazis because they refused. To, to be left wingers like i i'm so pissed off when i hear that oh i just was listening to this korean woman talk about how she was called a nazi the other day and it's like i'm literally talking about the discrimination of asians in america by harvard and you're calling me a nazi thank you oh it's our world is broken it is broken yeah. but but the sanctification of time is a really big thing man i really do think that i think that i think so too th because like, okay, so right now I'm listening to an audiobook. Luke, let this surprise you. It's on woodworking. And it's Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, Good Clean Fun by Nick Offerman. Love that man. Yeah, right. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, it's Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. And he has a wood shop in the middle of L.A. And it's this really famous. Well, not really. Well, now it's really famous. But he would never call himself like a master at all. But they, they own a wood shop where they make furniture. They use power tools and hand tools. And the, so I listened to an audiobook called Shop Classes Soulcraft. And uh, I've listened to that book like maybe a year ago or two years ago. And I love that book. Matthew Crawford, the same guy that did uh, The World Beyond Your Head, which is all about like gambling and stuff, we've, which we've talked about. 
which I brought up on the Matt Frad show. It all came from that book. Um, but shop classes, Soulcraft, he really does talk about how achieving skills in manipulating physical things is what is one of the big keys to virtue that we're missing today. And he talks about it in all this like fancy Aristotelian language. But Nick Offerman talks about it in the terms of like Huckleberry Finn American version, right? Like he talks about it from this idea of um, just being connected and blah, blah, blah. And he talks about how you can have like rowdy shop workers, but you're all on the exact same page and how, how like, like doing this hyper local stuff reduces landfill and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just like, it has all these repercussions, but this Mm. is how Americans lived for 200 years, 300 years. Yeah, no, we all lived this life. And now, I mean, it's literally been since like the 19, well, the 1920s with, with uh, Henry Ford, the industrialization of every aspect of American life from education to our food like that i'm constantly there's so many places so i do think sanctification of time and so i hear him talking like he said like he'll do all these hollywood things like he'll do shoot a movie on the east coast or be in a play in uh la or him and his wife will relocate because she got a gig and they'll do that and then he just looks for a place to go woodworking because it slows everything down and I'm telling you, as a guy who does not know how to woodwork, it is very true. Hmm. Hmm. It is very true. Like, I, I'm telling people all the time now, I'm like, you got to get something physical in your hands. You got to. And I, I think maybe that's kind of the joy of CrossFit. Like, maybe people are really digging things like CrossFit, not only for the community, but also because they're just doing something like crazy physical and the achievements are praised the entire time, right? Like within that community. The yeah. Gym. That's interesting. It's You, you know, and, and I are not made to be blips on the information superhighway, bro. I know. Because like, so me and Aaron went up to go to Orange Theory Fitness. We haven't really been back. And I really I like it. But I wonder if part of it is because, so at Orange, I'm a, so it's this group thing where you're on the treadmill then you, you you go back and forth between being on the sorry you spend time on a treadmill on a rower and then doing like free weight and a few other things is it like but high intensity this, training interval yeah. like they just send you around mm-hmm. yeah and it's great it's a we really call that great curves workout. where i come from curves <laughs> and it uh but the weird part about it is like it's really dim and they have like a like a deep orange light everywhere and the idea huh. is, I'm like, oh, it's just bright enough that you can, like, clearly see what you're doing, but dark enough that you don't feel like you have to interact with anyone, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is the point to kind of just feel like you're just and, – and, and there's a thing about that I do kind of like. It's like I just want to um, work out and just be done. But I do wonder if, like, maybe the CrossFit model is a little bit better where it's like, no, we're going to have this group experience. We're going to do this thing, and yeah. we're all going to be in this together for yeah. an hour. Archbishop Fulton Sheen said this killer line where he said – what the church gives up, the world picks up. What the church sets down, the world picks up. He's like, we gave up our rosaries, and the hippies start wearing them around their necks. And I'm just thinking of, like, Madonna and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, we gave up community. And now there's CrossFit. CrossFit really is. Like, uh, all my friends who do CrossFit, they say the number one reason why they go is community. And half the people that are in there, like, I get recommendations for, like, I need a handyman to fix some wood rot in my house on the exterior door and I, I got a recommendation from one of my coworkers, and it's a crossfit guy 
And the CrossFit guy's like, anyone you recommend, I will give them the best deal possible. Like, no one can beat me because I care about this stuff. And and there's this whole community aspect that doesn't, you get to know everyone there. And I can tell you, here's the funniest part. Go into a friend's house for, like, their child's birthday party, and there's two groups of people. There's the fat people. They're the church friends. <laughs> then there's these chiseled physical specimens. They're the CrossFit friends, and there's two whole groups of people. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think the answer to deconstruction, because I, I, I guess this is what I was going for. It's what's the answer to deconstruction? I do wonder if it's an incarnate faith, if it's a sacramental faith. I think the problem with evangelicalism and the deconstruction is, is it was very politicized. If you are an evangelical, you are a Republican, conservative, dot, dot, dot. Like Shane Claiborne yeah. talked about when he had his conversion, the first thing he started doing was slapping vote for George H.W. Bush bumper stickers on cars. You know, like he felt like it was a divine mandate to do this. And uh, I think that that's part of their deconstruction is shedding the Republican label or the conservative American, American conservative label. But insofar as they're doing that... It's interesting because they're just jumping into progressivism. And but it's that, so yeah. But it's so tied into the culture though that I think to and I I am not saying that that to then go left wing means that you lose your faith. Right. I think there are a lot of left wing Protestant like Shane Claiborne is very left wing. Yeah, he's funny. He says, when I'm hanging out with my activist friends, they call me a conservative. When I'm hanging out with my conservative friend, or Christian friends, they call me a liberal. But I, I, I do think it's like the, like, why is deconstruction happening now? Yeah. I guess that's what I'm wondering. Why has it been a thing to happen over the past 10 to 15 years? Why is this going on now? Yeah. I do, th I, I think it's tied into as the culture again becomes less, as we are now post Christian, you. And those things start to collapse. You can't help but then to just question your faith. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that like that like Aaron brought up on that podcast was he goes, "But I had a hard time saying. So, if like I don't know if this stuff is true, then what about these things that I felt when I was in high school? Yeah. Which is what I brought up on here. Like yeah. when I, you know, like one of the things that stopped me from being full on agnostic at one point in time, just beside was was like if if god isn't real then that means these experiences i had in high school and in college were a lie yeah and i can't say that that's true like like sorry that's, that's a little bit, i can't say, i cannot say that that wasn't real yeah that that was because there, there's just no way certainly there's just no way certain those things were not of god right or 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 a god or something and so i do wonder i guess like and i don't want to say is that if um, you if you're tempted to go down the deconstruction route, how do you combat that? And I think part of it is an incarnate faith, but I, I think you have to be tied to them to some sort of like magisterium, though, because that's what bears Christ into the world. Again, going back to the whole like Mary analogy. Yeah. Well, here's the problem with the magisterium when they're so their heads are so far up their own asses, and apparently. Well, and up other people's asses. <laughs> that was a McCarrick joke. Uh, oh, oh, that was gosh. a Curia joke. 
<laughs> Someone said, uh, "What?" Asked a famous Catholic speaker who will go nameless. What do you think is going to happen? What good do you think is going to come out of the meeting in Rome uh, with all the heads of the national bishop conferences? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that there was a tsunami hitting Rome. <laughs> like, that's the only good that could come out of all of them there. I think that's a cheap shot. But I will say this. I, uh, wow, man. All the stuff going on in the church where you just find layers upon layers upon layers of corruption. I'm like, has the Catholic Church legitimately become an international criminal enterprise? I mean. I mean, if you knew of uh, a guy who was serially abusing, maybe not minors, but taking advantage of men or women within their power grasp, right? Whether it's a seminary or a parish church, and then you promote them to from rector to bishop or from priest to bishop like there comes I, a point where this is just a criminal enterprise <laughs> and you're I, looking around and you're like what in the what what now i don't believe the pope is all-knowing and i i think that we put too much on the pope and i don't just mean francis i meant every one of them how can they even like how can pope john paul write all the writings that he did and also micromanage the, the diocese of metuchen which is coincidentally the worst named diocese in the u.s <laughs> uh, hello to our friends from there yeah who, you know immediately who wrote in after the last yeah week's show. I know. there's a few that i'm like oh that's right friends uh, i don't have i don't know man what okay but here's here's the thing yeah i think we have to divorce not to divorce so that's the wrong word <laughs> um understand the difference between the men who make up the magisterium yeah the and like, not the man yeah like yeah the because like really because again so uh, a lot of people like oh that's your problem it's all men and to you i'd say <laughs> probably but um <laughs> yep <laughs> i would also add there's this in, and this is a big like benedict thing there's an inherent feminine aspect to the church like she's like mary like the institutional church yeah <laughs> there was what? this tweet where this dude from used to be with catholic answers or is with catholic answers he's like i'm sick and tired of the church it was like you know those people who everything pope francis says they have to attack and pope mm, francis mm-hmm. made this comment on like day one or day two of like it was patrick like, coffin it was like mm. you know he said something like the maternal like a mother grieving he's like mother grieving i'm sick and tired of all these type of things <laughs> And, like, Patrick and Ethan both, like, from the crunch went after him. It was so funny. But it's like, you do know the church is the bride of Christ and regarded as mother? Like, you know this, right? Uh, mm, no. Oh, it doesn't the, fit your agenda. Never mind. Gots to get paid. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> we are broken people. I loved I loved that guy when he was on Catholic Answers, and now that he's, he might still be with Catholic Answers, but his own show, I have, like, tried to watch it a couple times, and I'm like, you know what? I can agree with some of this stuff, but some of this stuff, I'm just like, this is just rear guard Republicanism, and I have no place in it. I have no place Mm. in this world anymore. I'm looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place in this world. My place in this world. Man, I don't know how to sing. Old Michael W. Smith is the best Michael W. Smith. 
<laughs> my mom's uh, gonna love that throwback. My uh, I was at a concert once, and uh, David Crowder band opened up for Michael W. Smith. My buddy, our buddy uh, Jeremy Barton, Courtney invited me out, and it was uh, oh, nice. we went for David Crowder, but Michael W. Smith was also there, and he's like playing the piano, and he goes, "So when I meant President George W. Bush." And everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> and he goes, the first thing I said to him when I shook his hand was, it is such an honor to meet you, a committed Christian here in the Oval Office. And he looked at me and said, listen, you might be Michael W. Smith, but I'm the original W. And we laughed, and everyone's like crying. They're laughing so hard. He's, just, <laughs> and he's like, and then I said, this is an unjust war. <laughs> Erect him, damn near killed him. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say this about okay, so I'm gonna like, tell you a good Michael W. Smith story. So yep. me and Father David went to see um um, um Michael W. Smith at Joel Olstein's church. Yeah, sat yeah, right yeah. behind I remember that. Joel Olstein's brother. And uh they're all super rich and seemed very <laughs> and shallow. tickled him the whole time. And yeah. gold coins <laughs> fell out. <laughs> and I was like, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's 2008. I'm so poor. And then um <laughs> Uh, I'm like, my dad's about to die. I need this. <laughs> so- oh, whoa. That got dark, Luke. <laughs> Luke. I just told someone about the kiss kiss thing. Oh, Luke. I think it'd be so funny to end our podcast with that. Um, so anyways, uh, I, um, <laughs> and I, so, so, so I was very, he just like walked out on stage, like very um, humbly walked out on stage yeah. and he started his show. And that impressed me because he's a mega star in that world. Yeah, and he could have had this huge little like he just made us. It was very humble the way. He How's started. Houston doing today? <laughs> and I appreciate. It. Yeah, exactly. No, I heard nothing but good things about him. I just it was such a story that was like, oh, why am oh. I here? I'm oh, here listen, he wrote some of his songs so good. I, I, he was one of the first CDs I ever got. Was his best of like eighty five to ninety five or something like that. <laughs> you are such a community baby. <laughs> I am. You are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was it a big deal for your family when you went and saw Amy Grant live? It was for mine. Yeah, baby. All right, man. How do we wrap this up? Was this a good episode? I don't know. McTouchin. McTouchin. More McTouchin. Uh, it's one hour and 27 joke. minutes. Maybe I'll cut it down to an hour and it's just the sexual parts. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, uh, no, no, no. I thought that the deconstruction chat was good. Yeah. I started off with too much wine. Well, back to woodworking. Love you, Luke. All right, man. Have a good night. I gotta, I gotta get my kid medicine at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, God bless you, sir. For uh, how long? When is it? Stop? Uh, for like another week. Hmm. Have fun doing that while while we're gone, Shannon. I'll <laughs> <laughs> still have to do it. Uh, remember, yeah, we're not true. staying in a hotel there. We're driving. Oh yeah, back we're going there night. and back. Hey, did you? Okay. Uh, ending in five, four, three. Wait, ending. Wait, five, four, three, two, one. Stop.